Welcome to the One Big Thing Podcast, where inspiration meets transformation. You know, I'm insecure in all areas of my life. You know, growing up as a very shy kid, I think that shyness was rooted in in insecurity and being afraid to be authentically who I was in front of other people. And like, I, I made my younger brother go ask for ketchup you know, McDonald's because I was too afraid to go do it. And I, I think one thing I've learned is, is I look back on my life, the areas where I have the most regret are all rooted in insecurity, right? The things that I wish that I did do that I did not do, the barrier for me of doing those things was rooted in insecurity. I was too scared to do it. I was afraid to fail. Or the things that I did do that I wish I didn't do, I made fun of the other kid, the dumb joke, the you know in- immature moment of doing whatever. I did those things out of insecurity to be the funny guy, to get more likes. And what are the real roots of these insecurities that I feel? Why do they manifest in the way that they manifest? And again, it goes back to investing in the self-awareness key you know, part of it. And, and I went through, when I was done playing, as I was transitioning out of being a football player to figuring out what was next for me, spent a lot of time in, in, in the self-awareness process. Well, welcome back to the One Big Thing Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Campbell. Uh, got another great one for you today, folks. This is going to be very cool, uh, near and dear to my heart. For many of you guys know, I grew up playing sports. I was an athlete. I was a Division One lacrosse player, and I've sourced guests from really all walks of life, being in business, being stay-at-home parents, being married, figuring this thing out. But today, we're going to really hear from you know somebody that I've kind of watched from afar um, that I didn't really know personally, but was from a mutual connection. And I want to welcome to the One Big Thing podcast studio, Christian Ponder. Uh, for those who may not be aware, we're going to take a little bit of time here to let Christian kind of tell you guys who he is and what he's working on for those that may not be familiar. And then we're going to get into a lot of his story and the life lessons that he's learned. Uh, so Christian, welcome to the One Big Thing podcast. Uh, as I said, for those that may be here championing you, welcome to the show, family, friends that know Christian. But for those that may not know, you know what, are, what should people know about who you are and the things you're working on today? Yeah, well, first off, Steve, thanks for thanks for having me on to to get to talk a little bit about about my story and some of the things that I've learned the hard way or the easy way. But uh, for those that aren't familiar, um, you know, I'm probably most known for playing football. Um, I uh, I was a first round draft pick, played at Florida State in college. Was a first round draft pick as a quarterback by the Minnesota Vikings back in the 2011 draft. Spent six years in the NFL, um, and uh, you know, be, beyond that, I been a dad to three kids. Married, live in New York City, um, from Texas, where I grew up, uh, one of three boys, and uh, yeah, now living in Manhattan, raising three kids, still figuring out as, as we all are. I don't think we ever reached that finish line of, uh, of having all eternal wisdom, but um, now I'm also in, in my, my day-to-day role. Uh, I am the, the co-founder and CEO of a company called The Post. Yeah. So there's a lot that we're going to be getting into. And as I said, if you're a friend of Christian, you've never been on the One Big Thing podcast, I really hope that this is not your last stop, but you'd consider, uh, consider subscribing. Listen to some other incredible people that I've had on this show. Uh, we've had everybody from rare disease survivors to Peloton instructors, uh, to people just making a difference in their world and really sharing with you what they've learned along the way. So for many of us, we may not be able to identify with a Christian Ponder because I would imagine most of my listeners have never played in the NFL. Uh, maybe they've been an R-chair quarterback back. Uh, but I want to go through a lot of your story because I think it's really important. You know, I know you're working on a lot of things today, but take us back, you know, kind of as, as far as you want to, you're, you know, you're working on a lot today, but that story, that journey, 
you know, being, being an athlete, playing in college football, again, a pinnacle that many people will never reach. And then even just going into being drafted, which is a dream for, you know, most people at whatever sport level you play. What, what was that experience, you know, like for you, were you always somebody that saw yourself in the NFL from a young age? And then kind of, what was that journey like from you? Cause I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of life lessons learned along the way. Yeah. Uh, I did not, as a kid, envision myself playing in the NFL. I, I had the the dream as a kid to play football at Florida State. It's it's where my dad played. It's it's where my mom went to college as well. It's where they met. It's you know I, I went to a lot of Florida State games. It's, it's what we watched every Saturday in our household. So <clears throat> you know I had this distant dream of wanting to play college football. It took a really long time for me to even have the confidence that that could become a reality. It really wasn't until after my junior year in high school that that. Um, I thought it was a it was a potential, um, <clears throat> but I think as is as, as we all know, everything in life requires a tremendous amount of of hard work and effort and and perseverance through the ups and downs. And I I was never the most talented kid. Um, I dealt with a lot of insecurity around whether I belonged on that field or not. And through a lot of lucky breaks, just having the opportunity to you know start my high school career. I mean, you know, again, a lot of it was luck. I, in middle school, I was, I was in seventh grade, I was the B team quarterback <clears throat> in eighth grade. I was the backup A team quarterback. The kid ahead of me was a pretty good athlete. So when we got to high school, the high school moved him to wide receiver because they wanted him to be on the varsity team. And, you know, if that move probably didn't happen. I probably never had the opportunity to go play varsity football in, in the state of Texas for my high school and, and, uh, and prove my, you know, my skill set to go have the opportunity to play college sports. And so, uh, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of ruck, uh, lucks that required, and and um, you know I think uh, ha- you know seizing that opportunity and, and again putting a lot of work, I, I worked my butt off, and and a big testament to my dad for for pushing me to to work hard. And um, you know there are times where it gets hard where you have to figure out what is my my motivation. It requires a lot of you know self awareness, and um, and uh, was motivated motivated enough to. to get that opportunity, seize that opportunity, you know, and then again, it wasn't all, it wasn't all great. When I went out to Florida state, <clears throat> you know, things didn't go that well. My first year there, um, I had seriously thought about transferring before transferring was a thing now in the, in the NIL world and transfer portal world where it's so easy to pick up and leave. And, um, you know, thought hard about it, had conversations with my dad ended up sticking, sticking through. There was a coaching change, uh, at the offensive coordinator and quarterback position and Jimbo Fisher came in and again, out of sheer luck, like had the opportunity to have a fresh start and, and again, present my, my work ethic and preparation and, uh, earn the starting role there. And, and then again, you know, had the opportunity to go play in the NFL. And, um, it is interesting. I think we all deal with the ups and downs of, of, you know, when you put in the work and you, and you see it pay off, um, you have a choice, right? Like you, you can choose to, uh, appreciate how you got there and continue to put in the work to climb to the next ladder. Or I think a lot of, a lot of human nature is a lot of us tend to coast. And I think there were definitely times I think back where putting in the work, being successful on the field or whatever, you know, lent itself to, um, taking a little bit of a backseat and withdrawing some of that work ethic and kind of, just enjoying the fruits of my labor. And especially as you get into higher and better competition that, that doesn't work as well. And, you know, dealt with some other things, had some injuries in college that, you know, to my throwing shoulder that lent, you know, basically took away a lot of my confidence in how I threw the ball. I never felt like I threw the football the same when you lose confidence. I think in anything, it, 
it affects your performance, especially the quarterback position. But um, that was a very long winded way of, of answering that, que- <laughs> that question. No, you did, you did great. And I, and I think what's cool about your story and we'll get into a little bit of your work with creating the post and what you're doing now, you know, post sports, working with other athletes, uh, who also played collegiately or in the professional level. Um, you know, as I said, I think for many of us, it's maybe hard to identify with somebody who's played at the level that you have, but I think it's probably unique for somebody to, to hear that, you know, somebody like you would say you had some insecurities growing up playing this sport that, you know, for many of us, you're far talented than the average person who can throw a football. So they may not always see because of the way as consumers, obviously we consume sports, you know, you have the ability on Sunday to turn on the NFL and, you know, believe that you should be able to tell a player how to play or how to make a pass, but, but the speed of the game, the way at which you're playing with the top notch athletes, I think we sometimes chalk it up as consumers to, you should just be able to make these plays. You should be able to do this thing. And we kind of I think we kind of sometimes remove the human element and I don't know in 2024, it's never been easier to be more vicious behind, behind screens, you know, commenting on things like bleacher report and hearing about teams that you love and almost treating like athletes, like they should fulfill your happiness as a consumer or as a fan, because they didn't win the big game for you, but you were the person actually playing the game and you went through those ups and downs. You went through you know, in the NCAA playing at Florida State, being on a national stage and in, in, in playing that and then to the NFL. I mean, for those people today, you lived your life in the spotlight and are now, you know, a dad raising kids. You know, what for you in your journey, I mean, what what are the lessons that, you know, kind of you learned in, in sports that have now kind of transferred into, you know, the roles that you're playing today as a husband and as a father? Yeah, I think the two most important keys of, of of what I learned through sport that applies to anywhere in life, whether it's in business or it's in relationships as a parent and a spouse, is is you know again just if we boil it down to two points, it'd be number one, self awareness, right, mm-hmm. is is critical. I think um, you know on the field as a quarterback, we were always watching film of ourselves. We we're always getting coached. We we're always getting instantaneous feedback on our performance. Like if I threw a pick, clearly that was either a bad throw or a bad decision, right? And so um, how do I identify the things that are going well and, and have confidence in those things? But how do I identify the things that aren't going well, that are that are weaker points in my performance um, you know, on the field or, or any area? How, how do I identify those things? Um, come up with a clear plan on how I'm going to improve and and then the second point is focused effort. How am I going to have the focused effort to actually put in the time and the work to improve upon those things that I need to improve upon? How do I, if I don't understand this complex 3-4 blitz that I saw against the New Orleans Saints, you know, defense coordinator is going to pick up on that. They're going to see, hey, you know, they have a hard time understanding. Christian has a hard time understanding this defense and this blitz. Like, let's bring it to him. Let's, let's show that in the game and see if we can capitalize. I better get my butt in the film room and, and make sure that I can identify those things that I didn't understand, figure out ways to change protection, to pick those things up, wh- whatever it is. And, and so that I, I can be better and I can perform better. And um, it should be the same thing and everything. So as I think about my relationship with my wife, where are the things that I'm falling short? I'm not the best communicator. Um, I, you know, I don't, I, the lines are blurred between work and home. I don't set clear boundaries. I, <laughs> Uh, you know, there's, there's a long list of things that I can prove as a husband. How am I going to, you know, how am I going to identify those things? And then how am I going to have a plan that I'm actually going to improve upon and be intentional about getting better so I can show up as a better husband? Same thing as a, as a parent, you know, I, 
Um, you know, I'm not as intentional. I'm not as present with, with my kids. I don't find seize every teaching opportunity. I, I outsource that to my wife. So like, how can I be more present and be better? How do I have an action plan to put in that time and effort and, um, and, and be better? I think, you know, it's same in business as a leader. It's, it, it, it carries across all, all, um, all aspects of life. And I say focused effort, right? Like we can work hard, but if we're working hard in the wrong areas, it, it doesn't benefit us. So finding the specific areas where we need to see improvement and putting our effort in, in those specific areas. And, and that pays off. It's easier said than done. You know, I think these things aren't genius ideas that we're all not aware of, but how do you invest in self-awareness and how do you invest in, in the motivation to have the focused effort to get better in all areas in life? Let's take a quick break to hear a word from your sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Seed Planning Group. If you're looking for a life-giving experience working with a financial planner, then Seed is here for you. Seed is a fee-only financial planning firm with a fiduciary obligation to put your best interests first. If your goal is financial freedom and independence without sales, products, or really glorified salespeople, then check out Seed Planning Group today. You can visit www.seedpg.com. That's www.seedpg.com. And the best part, you can schedule a free consultation to find out if their fee-only planners and their process are right for you. Yeah. And I think you're just, this is what I love about this show, right? I, I just have this unbelievable opportunity. I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate um, to have an outlet like this where, you know, I can spend, you know, 30, 60 minutes with a Christian ponder and just talk life. You know, if I caught you on the busy, busy you know, streets of New York City and saw you passing by, you're probably not going to make time to just talk to me for an hour about life as a dad and kind of what you're going through. But I've interviewed now musicians, uh, influencers, athletes. And I think what's very cool about this space is that they all kind of open up in transparency about the things that they're struggling with, which, you know, I don't know if you just watch your life from afar, whether it's in sports or in music, there can be an assumption because maybe in your own personal life, you are struggling as a wife, as a husband, you're struggling as a parent. Uh, you know, I talk about quite a bit on the show, you know, I think when we all dream of having kids, whether you've ever dreamed about playing professional sports, that might be a moonshot for many of us because maybe you just weren't tall enough, fast enough, weren't athletic enough. But I'm sure there's many people that as they were growing up, imagine themselves as a parent one day, you know, what it's going to be like to bring your first kid home, to be a dad, to be a mom, what your big wedding day is going to look like, what your marriage is going to look like, whether you came from uh, a beautiful family where mom and dad loved each other and you just wanted to emulate that, you know, it's a lot like coaching. You know, we, we can have, uh, throughout our career coaches that maybe were not the best. And we just vowed that if I ever get the opportunity to coach, I'm going to be nothing like that individual. Maybe we had coaches that we loved and they poured into us. They were a player's coach. And we just thought that's the kind of person I want to be, you know, in marriage, I think it's the same way. If you came from a home where mom and dad loved each other, they communicated openly, you know, they were married for years, never experienced divorce. Maybe that's the thing that you wanted to so capture and emulate. But maybe you came from a broken family. Maybe mom and dad didn't talk. Maybe they got divorced when you were young and you wanted to rewrite that story for your narrative and maybe have a beautiful marriage, one that you could be proud of. But today you find yourself getting the thing that you dreamt about, having your children, being married, and maybe it's just not experience and expectation. I talk about that a lot on the show. You know, you have an expectation for how you think something is going to go. Marriage is going to be beautiful. I'm going to marry my best friend. We're going to talk all the time. We're going to have fun. It's always going to be great. Things are going to be smooth. And then the actual experience of it 
you know, when you don't connect quite well with your wife or things didn't work out. I think what's fascinating is that in your story, being an athlete, you had film study. You had the ability to watch a game and break down what worked, what didn't work well. When things worked well, you had the ability to build upon that. Okay, I'm going to do more of that, which is great. When things didn't go well, as much as it might you know, be a struggle to watch yourself on screen and be like, darn it, why did I make that throw? Nobody's going to blame you, Christian, when you got 300-pound linemen that can run four 340s coming after you. None of us have been in that level of pressure. You know, I think we can sometimes be in the thick of being a parent and being married and assume that we're facing pressure, but you experience real pressure on a sports field. But you did have the ability of practice. You did have the ability of watching film. You did have the ability of having teammates and accountability and coaches that specifically worked on your skill set. When you're married, there is none of that. You know, there's those funny commercials on TV today of throwing the red challenge flag of like, you know, did you pack the thing? And it's like, no, you said you were going to do it. And they throw the challenge flag and it's like, let's watch together. I think those commercials are hysterical when you're married because it's like, man, how how many disagreements would my wife and I be working through if we had the challenge flag? But I think yeah. it's fascinating with your life now after sports because you've been in that situation, you know, being in NCAA football, NFL, team camaraderie, all of that. And now you're Christian post NFL working on the things that you're passionate about. But as you said, you're also a dad and you're married. You know, are there certain things that have translated over from the sports field that you've taken into, you know, life as as a dad and a husband? Or are there things that maybe you assumed would be easier because you had this experience in the NFL? So like how hard could marriage and parenting be? Because I mean, you were in the spotlight for a majority of your life in sports. And so it's like, you know, now I'm a dad. This has got to be easy compared to that. Has there been any like I didn't, I didn't assume this was going to be this way or like I actually have to like step back because like, man, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I, I think everything tends to be harder than we think it is. I think we downplay often in our expectations how difficult things, things are going to be. I think especially in, in today's era of social media where everything looks great, you know, on, on the outside. And as you compare your life with someone else's life and if all I'm doing is looking at Twitter and Instagram and whatever social media outlet that you spend your time on, um, everything looks easy out there. And I can't remember who I heard say this, but, um, and, and you talked about expectations, but that pretty much every issue in our own personal lives can be traced back to unmet expectations. And, and whether that's intentionally led uh, expectations that you know were lied about, and and it was intentional to, to create a uh, you know impossibly so, something that could never be met, if it was um, a lack of communication that led to different un, unmet expectations, if it was just uh, you know a naivete that led to unmet expectations, but I think especially in marriage or parenting, I think when we don't meet the expectation of our spouse or our child, or we don't meet the expectation of our coworkers, or we don't meet the expectation of investors or whoever, um, there there are real real problems that come out of that. Uh, and, and so, you know, same thing with performance in sports, right? Like, uh, I had to meet the expectation of being a first round draft pick. I, there was a lot of pressure that came with that and, and figuring out how to, to deal with that. Um, it gets hard. And, and I think trying not to do it in isolation is really important. I think finding the right people, the right advisors, the right spaces to be authentically, 
open about our brokenness and our insecurities and, and where we need help. I think it's really difficult. I, I think there are two things going on. It's interesting, right? Like I think there is this rise in conversations around mental health and, and that it's okay to be, to not be okay, but it almost seems like they're great taglines and there's some like social media play to talk about our brokenness. That's still for likes and not necessarily for true authenticity and growth. That'll preach. Um, yeah. And so okay. I, you know, how I, you have to find the right avenues to, to do it. And, um, the other thing I've learned too is, you know, you brought up the insecurities of, you know, I brought up insecurities before and, and yes, you're right. in the sense that I was insecure on, on the field as a football player, but you know, I am insecure in all areas of my life. You know, I've grown up as a very shy kid. I think that shyness was, um, rooted in, in insecurity and being afraid to be authentically who I was in front of other people. And like, I, I made my younger brother go ask for ketchup, you know, McDonald's cause I was too afraid to go do it. And, um, I, I think one thing I've learned is, is I look back on my life, um, the areas where I have the most regret are all rooted in insecurity, right? The things that I wish that I did do that I did not do the barrier for me of doing those things was rooted in insecurity. I was too scared to do it. I was afraid to fail. Um, or the things that I did do that I wish I didn't do. I made fun of the other kid, the dumb joke, the you know in- immature moment of doing whatever. I did those things out of insecurity to be the funny guy, to get more likes. And, and, and so what, what is, you know, and, and with the help of my wife, like what are the real roots of these insecurities that I feel? Why do they manifest in the way that they manifest? And again, it goes back to investing in the self-awareness key, you know, part of it. And and I went through when I was done playing as I was transitioning out of being a football player to figure out what was next for me, spent a lot of time in 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 the self-awareness process of, you know, doing the Enneagrams and Myers-Briggs and talking to people and um, you know, just trying to figure out who I was and how I operated. And a lot of that work was tremendously helpful. Again, it's one thing to get that information. The next step is what do I do with that information that's actually beneficial. And I'm still working on that, right? I, I've got great information. I've done some of the work. I haven't done enough of the work um, to come out on the other side of it better. I don't think that work ever ends. I don't think we ever arrive um, to that moment. But... but um, and I'm still trying to find the right resources and tools that are helpful. But I think when we invest in that self-awareness part of it, we at least have a roadmap or can, or then can create a roadmap that, you know, helps us to be better husbands and or spouses and parents and leaders of businesses. And, you know, er, again, all, all areas of life. Well, you don't, again, you don't normally think of professional athletes being shy or introverted, right? You normally yeah. think they're the charismatic team leader, team captain, take life by the horns. The, everybody wants to be around. I'm not saying you weren't those things, but I think it's a fascinating um, uh, differentiation for maybe what we assume. I mean, if you're somebody who's introverted, like what was that experience like for you, you know, going from, you know, having these insecurities, being more introverted, but then thrown into the national spotlight as, you know, I'm sure you were recognizable around Florida State's campus as the star quarterback. And then you get drafted in the first round of the NFL. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember now in my brain if you were in New York City for the draft that night or if you were at home 
but even just when you get drafted and you have the ability to know that a team has claimed you and you're the future of their franchise, I mean, you don't really have the ability to disappear and just you know hope that nobody recognizes you. What was that experience like for you through your college football playing years and then even for your time in the NFL from somebody who would you know self-identify as being more introverted to now I'm sure when you were drafted there was you know posters of you all over Minnesota you know you were the face of the franchise it's kind of hard to not be recognized so like was that ever a struggle or like what was that like for you probably feeling like sometimes you just wish you could get away but you couldn't yeah. you know so yeah. like what was that like yeah, I mean, look, I, it's funny because when I bring up to my wife about this history of me being shy and introverted, and she's like, "Are you kidding me? Like, you're you love being around people. Like, you're super extroverted. You like kind of being a part of the show and make." And so, again, I think the shyness and the introversion I felt early on was a manifestation of the insecurity I felt. And I think as I did a lot of work, like that insecurity of like, "Gosh, I desperately wanted to be liked. Like, I did not want to be disliked." and you know, we can talk about, you know, how our childhood and how we grew up and our, how our parents parented us, how that develops insecurities and who we are and then how that manifests itself in later in life. Like, again, a lot of introspective work to figure those things out. And, and I think everyone should do those things. <clears throat> but um, it was interesting. I, I knew early on, I think I, I kind of was able to get away with it in high school where like my talent and... um was, you know, and I'm not trying to be like conceited, but like I was very talented on the field and like that was good enough in high school and didn't really necessarily need to, I let, I felt like I led by example and not necessarily verbally and holding people accountable on my team, whatever. And so that, that shyness element was okay there. <clears throat> when I got to Florida State and realized like, no, I, I now have to start dealing with media. I have to be a little more outfacing and extroverted. I knew that was a problem for me. And I actually, uh, one of the things I did after my freshman year was, you know, back in the day, you know, rules are very different now, but like you, you couldn't have a job during the school year. You could have a job over the summer. And so what the athletic department did is you could go have a job with the booster club. And that role was you were a telemarketer and you went and sold season tickets. Uh, you sold memberships to the booster club. And I took that job, not only because I wanted some money in my pocket, but also I knew it was very uncomfortable for me. And I hated to pick up the... I mean, I hated answering the call at home, the phone at home and saying, you know, Ponder Residence, Chris speaking, how am I help? Whatever. Like now for me to be on the telemarketer side of things, which everyone doesn't... Who likes a telemarketer, right? Like one of the, the least liked people on the list of, you know, unlikable people. And so having to pick up the phone and cold call people to sell them things, have conversations with complete strangers, like that was that was difficult for me. But investing in the difficult thing that helped me grow to to be more comfortable having conversations, to be more comfortable being extroverted, it it paid off. And and so, you know, continue to grow in those things, had great people for state around me investing in like media relations, and we had a great sports information department. But like finding those opportunities to like do the the thing that we don't want to do, even though we know it's good for us, like um I did that. I don't do that all the time. I probably do it less often than I should. But that was one real opportunity that you know kind of stepped into that space to help me help me grow a bit and and embrace what was coming in terms of being more public facing. 
I mean, I don't know, man. I got to feel like Christian Ponder kind of had a leg up on the older cold callers calling, you know, season ticket holder buyers. <laughs> this is before like, we played, though. This was uh, okay. I was a nobody I at the sure time. If it was like, hi, this is yeah, Christian yeah. Ponder. Uh, I would like no, you to buy tickets to come watch me play. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, everyone. Steve Campbell. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, if it's made an impact on you, I would love to take a moment to ask you to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. But I would also love for you to leave a five-star rating and review. Your ratings and review help other listeners know that this show is worth their time. So thank you so much for tuning into The One Big Thing, and let's enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah. But but I think you're right. I think it's I think that's something that we don't always talk about, and you kind of went into it, so it's fascinating, right? Mental health is this thing that is championed, you know, where people will throw their arms around and be like, hey, if you're going through stuff, be open, be vulnerable, be transparent. But if you're not careful, it can create victimhood in the sense that misery loves company. And it's, uh, I've talked about this on other episodes before, when you're in the thick of raising kids like we are, it's very easy to get together with other couples. And the whole conversation is around what your kids are doing or not doing. And God, it's awful. And, you know, they're, they're just disobedient. They're not listening. And the next thing you know, you're just kind of sharing war stories of, you know, how hard parenting is, you know, because it's a way of, we tell ourselves coping, but, but whether it's on social media, you know, there's people that like overshare way too much you know, to the point of like, there's only so many little emojis that you can select with a picture of liking, loving, caring, that it's like some emojis just don't fit. Like what, what is the response? You know, like how do I respond to a person that is going through something or, you know, trying to post this thing? And, and like you said, it can be mis, misdiagnosed, misconstrued as like, okay, that's not really maybe necessarily what we're talking about, but just being honest about, you know, we're all insecure and we go through things. And again, I think I'm fascinated with your story because of how much you've lived your life in the spotlight. And even with your wife, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she's also involved in the spotlight too, you know, which is a very different dynamic for many people. You have some couple relationships, Stephen Day, a guy that I've listened to in music out of Nashville for years and years, uh, find him on Spotify, over a million plus downloads. He's sold out tour concerts. You'll find him regularly on my Spotify playing in my house. Uh, it got to talk to him for over an hour. Just just had an absolute blast putting the two of us together. His wife's a school teacher, you know? So like we kind of talked about like, what is that like? That, you know, at nighttime you're going on stage and pulling out your guitar and thousands of people are screaming your name and, you know, your wife, Abby, is just kind of like has 30 kids screaming her name in a classroom. Like, how do you guys connect when, when you got somebody who is so public facing and the other one is not necessarily behind the scenes. I'm not degrading what they do, but maybe not as much of a public profile, but in your case with you and your wife, she is also in the spotlight. So like, does that make doing life together harder um, in a way, because it's not like, I don't know what nighttime routines look like in the Ponder house or, you know, if you guys get to have dinner together every night and you're, you know, raising kids together in a home, or if she's doing things with, with her role in the media and you're doing your things with the post, like, what is that also like trying to navigate life and marriage when you have two people that, you know, with you and your sports career and with what she's doing, um, you know, it, does that create complications in a way? And, and do you guys find that you have a network of people that are also kind of in similar situations or does that kind of create isolation because you're both in a public setting? Yeah, I think, you know, f- first, <clears throat> what, what makes it more difficult is, is the busyness of life, right? I think, um, you know, as, as an early stage entrepreneur at a startup trying to grow the business, it's, it requires a lot of time and effort for my wife. Um, 
you know, she, so she, for those who don't know, she's the, the host of the Sunday morning NFL countdown show on ESPN. Um, it's her, Rex Ryan, Randy Moss, Teddy Bruschi, Alex Smith. And, and so she's on, you know, 21 Sundays a year, or now I guess 22 Sundays a year, uh, on Sunday mornings, but obviously puts in a tremendous amount of work to prep for those shows. And, and, you know, one thing that we've had to mourn or specifically her is, is a loss of weekends, you know, with, with our kids, all three of our kids are in school. I, I have a fourth grader, a first grader and kindergartner. And so, you know, she doesn't get the time during the weeks to spend a lot of time with them since they're at school until three thirty, And, and then on weekends, she's very busy. It's her busiest time to, to prep for her show, have meetings and, and, you know, be in studio Sunday mornings. Um, you know, fortunately, once the season's over, the football season's over, she, we get those weekends back. But it's 22 weekends a year that she doesn't get to have with her kids. And and that's tough. And so for us, it gets tough where it is the busiest not of life of, you know, we have to be more intentional to carve out time for us. And I'm not good at this. I, I am not a great planner. Um, I am not, you know... I, uh, every year we try to create a theme or at least each one of us tries to create a theme for our lives for the year, the upcoming year. And so my year, my, my word for 2024 is intentional. Um, being much more intentional across all my areas of life, being in, you know much more intentional leader at, at work, um, being much more intentional at home though as well. And, and so what that's looked like uh, again, I think the blurred lines of, of especially in a startup of like when's work end and when does time intentional time at home begin. So like you know, I put we've decided we're gonna once we're home, we put cell phones away. We installed a landline for the first time I've ever as as an adult, and basically communicating out calls back. You know, yeah, yeah, but it's like, look, if you need me, I, I don't feel like I need to have my cell phone on my pocket at all times. I don't need to have my Apple Watch on at all times. Like if you need me call my house line and we can have a conversation. And, and so I don't feel as accessible um, to everyone and, and need to get right back to people right away. And, you know, that email you get at 9 p.m. at night, like, does it really require my attention and my bandwidth to get back to them by 9.30? Or is it something that I can wake up early in the morning and respond to that next day and it's still fine, right? Like, I feel like we always create these panics in our minds of like, well, what if? And like that what if scenario is like 0.001% of happening, like, the rest of the time you're okay. And, and so, you know, we also, for me, it was so easy to grab my laptop while I'm at home and sit on the computer or, you know, sit on the couch on the computer while being with my kids while watching TV and like devoting, you know, splitting my attention to all these different things. And, and, and what we're going to do now is like, we're going to install a desktop computer. So if I need to spend time at work while I'm at home, like intentionally sitting my butt down at the desk in front of a desktop computer Vision, you know, signaling to my kids, I can't be present with you um, because I need to get some work done. Like that takes intentionality. And and so going back to the conversation of my marriage, like how do I be more intentional of carving out the time and space to have conversations with my wife, to spend, you know, one-on-one time with her. And again, I haven't been good at that. Uh, it, it needs to be better. We've both been super busy. Um, you know, that comes at a, it comes at a cost. And, and so it's, Again, one area where I'm self-aware of. Okay, how do I how do I get better? How, how do I manage my calendar better? How do I, you know, do I need to actually create a calendar invite with my wife to say, hey, we're going to spend 50 minutes talking on Tuesday night? Like I, you know, I, I'm trying to find solutions to be better at that, but it's definitely an opportunity of of growth for me as a husband. 
I just love the Ponder residence at this point. We got a landline. We got a desktop computer. Uh, Christian's back on MySpace, and you can yeah, find yeah. him on AOL chat. Yeah. Uh, we're just exactly. going straight back in the day. Yeah. But that's that's fascinating because that was something um, kind of with my wife and I, uh, for those that uh, may be a fan of Christian's but don't know me from the next person as a guest, you know, as a host of the show. My wife and I have an eight-year-old son. Uh, he was our New Year's baby, so he just turned eight. Uh, we have a six and a half year old son. So two boys in the thick of, you know, playing sports, doing life. And then we have twin girls that are three years old. Um, and so, you know, life is busy, you know, in between running businesses and my wife is a teaching assistant and then being, you know, on in the afternoons and on the weekends at sports fields or at the basketball court, there's just not a ton of time for yourself. And I think for me, because I am in business, but also a creator uh, with this podcast with the other podcast that I co-host with my business partner, I do have a lot of creative outlets, right? So there's a lot of opportunity. They're like, yeah, I got to just go talk with Christian Ponder for an hour today. Like most people don't get to say that. So like that is real. But I think sometimes, and this is the um, transparency I had to have with my wife, I think the assumption sometime from her end is like, well, you get to go do the things you love every day with your colleagues and your coworkers. So like you get to have you time all the time, you know, and she, she doesn't say it like she's not mad at me, but just in us talking together and being open and honest, I wonder if it's the same thing with your wife, you know? When, when names like Rex and Randy get popped up, you know, for most of us, those are like regular people that just kind of like work with us. But like you're talking about Randy Moss and Rex Ryan and like bigger than life, you know, personalities. She gets to do that, you know, on, on the morning football edition and be in like that is an outlet for her. But there's probably still just honestly time she would love to have for just herself where the, the camera's not on, where she's not having to work. And so one of the things that my wife and I, closing out 2023, being honest about 2024, is that we were really focusing on in in the last year, like trying to have date nights. Like that's really important. Like let's find a sitter. Let's go spend time together. We love each other. You're my best friend. Yes. But we weren't doing a great job of carving out time just for ourselves as individuals. And one of the things that I've talked about all the time on the show is that we have multiple layers as people. At the end of the day, I'm Steve, you're Christian. We're just two two guys trying to figure out kind of who we are as people dealing with our insecurities, dealing with past failures, dealing with thoughts that come to our mind where it's like, where did that come from? And like, if anybody only knew what I was thinking about, it's like, you're, you're working on your own stuff and then you're married or you have a significant other. And now you're like trying to also carry their burdens and trying to meet their expectations and trying to make sure that they feel fulfilled. But then you bring kids into the world and you have disruptions and you have things that happen to you and like trying to make sure that they have the best life and they had a better life than you had. And, you know, that you are the the most endearing parent that you could be because maybe in your life, you know, you wish your parents were different and, or however it may be. So there's multiple layers to all of us. But what my wife and I really looked at is like, man, we really don't like take time for ourselves as individuals. And it seems selfish to be like, it's hard when you're in the thick of life to come into a busy home where maybe things are a little busy you've both been working and look at your spouse and be like, Hey, can I go out for a couple hours? Right. Because the idea is like, we're going to co carry this thing together for the rest of the night and be parents and get the kids to bed and do all that stuff. But my wife and I really realized like, man, we got to get some time on the calendar and like scheduled time where every month we each get a couple hours that night to go do whatever we want to do, whether that's to go to the gym, go sit at a coffee house, connect with a friend, because we're so enthralled as being parents and being married, doing those things that there isn't always the time and space to take time out without feeling guilty or selfish that like, I'm not saying I, I need this time because you know, you're, you're a bear on me, 
but I just need time to go work on skills. I need time to just go get refreshed and get renewed so that I come back in. Because again, if we're not careful, you can go from building a business. You can go from being on TV. You can go from being a podcaster. You can go doing all the things that you do that make you who are you person during the day. And then you come home and the only time you might have is that 15, 30 minute hour long drive, depending on where you are home. And then you come home and then it's like, you know, the job's not done. The actual job has actually just begun because now you're a parent and your kids are looking up yeah. to you. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> like I was, there's, there's a podcast um, that my wife was listening to, which I love. And then she bought me a book for Christmas, which has just really helped me. And it's a podcast called Dad Tired. Uh, Jared is the host of that show. And it's, it's just been a really good book for me. It's called Dad Tired. So you look at the cover and it's a, a picture of a guy with a beard, but the mustache is just slightly off. And this whole book is basically just like, man, being a dad's really hard. There's a lot of moments where we all blow it as dads. We're not necessarily available. We're not fully present. So our kids want our attention, but we're on our phone doing something, responding to a thing that we think is important. And yet, meanwhile, our kids are like, hey, dad, you're just, you know, like, I did you remember what I told you earlier today? And you're like, yeah, yep, I did. And then your kids are like, okay. And so you're like literally trying to figure out what your kids talked about. Being fully present, being wherever you are, this book has really kind of helped me realize that, man, if I'm going to be the best version of myself that I need to be, I do have to find times to kind of unplug. And just even if it's just creating time for myself to think about thoughts and where they came from and game planning and how to be intentional and how to bring you know, excitement to my kid's life and do, be the fun dad and do all of that stuff. And it's not beating myself up. But I think I love that that's your word for intentionality, you know, in, in kind of maybe just talking through like, what, what does that look like for you? Is there anything that you've begun to do or that you would love to do that you think could really help in this situation to bring that to fulfillment? Yeah. Well, and I, and I, I think, again, I think you're so right in creating space for yourself and and whether that is carving out three hours a month to go do whatever you want to do like yeah it it may sound selfish i don't think it's selfish if it's if it's done for an intentional reason of like it's right. an investment of my time so i can show up better but i think one thing that we've done as a society which is a massive disservice to ourselves and, and to community at large and culture at large and society at large is like we don't give ourselves the space to process and to dream and to comprehend and to like, like, uh, you know, review what has happened because what are we doing with all our free time? It's this, right? Like we're on a screen, whether it's our phone, it's Netflix and television. And, you know, we used to be bored and now it's like boredom is such a negative thing. And, as kids, like that was our time to be the most creative. And as adults, it should be the same thing. We're not allowing ourselves to process and to feel. And I, I heard someone last week, I was a conversation, like, you know, he was talking about how we're already all living in the metaverse, right? Like in the sense that we're all living through our screen. So, you know, I, I don't know if everyone saw the meme um, where there was a split screen and still photo of, you know, when Michael Jordan broke the NBA scoring record. Um, you know, they have him shooting the shot. And, and what is everyone doing in the audience in the background? They're watching him. And then, you know, they take the screenshot of LeBron James when he did it last year. And what's the, what's the shot? Everyone's on their phone filming it, living the moment through their phones, right? Like, as you look at all the videos of, of New Year's Eve and, and Times Square and across the world, you know, what is everyone, is everyone watching the, the, 
you know, the, the ball drop in Times Square. No, they're like watching it through their phones. And, and, and so like, as we sit down and we're bored on the couch, are we thinking about our day? Are we giving our time ourselves the time to process and think about those opportunities to get better or what happened or what am I feeling or, you know, to plan, Hey, what can I do for my wife this next week? How can I help? We're filling our time and our minds and our bandwidth with Twitter and Instagram and, and news and television. And like, gosh, I think you have to give yourself time to be bored. And and so for me, you know, I, I love time in the mornings before my kids get up. I love having the time to just spend an hour or so reading and praying and processing and planning and, and just having quiet time to myself. And, you know, I realized like, you know, this, this year, like I, I, that time is sacred. I really enjoy that time. It helps me to have my best day, you know, drinking alcohol, which, you know, I, I like a good beer and a good cocktail, but like that made it difficult to get up early in the morning and have that time. So like right now, all right, let's try out giving up alcohol for a t- time period and see how that plays out and being intentional on like, I want to have that time and alcohol took that time away. So like, let's change it and see how it goes. Um, again, putting my phone away, having a desktop computer, like turning the TV off in the bedroom and spending time reading, right? Like getting back to reading and investing in, you know, it's not like Steve, you brought it up. Like, it's like, how do we get back to the nineties? How do I live in the nineties again? Where it's like, we don't have all this access. We're not so distracted. All these things aren't pulling our attention away from each other. Like, and we've so willingly handed it all over to, to everyone. Like I, I just think if people actually process what was happening, that people, you know, all these devices are monetizing our focus and our attention and and they've made a t- tremendous amount of money off of it and they've made it intentionally addictive like i think we would all be a little more upset and hopefully be a little more intentional in how we're handling our time and 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 our focus and our energy but i think we've all just handed it over and we've been completely okay with it and it's costing us and i don't think we're realizing how much it's costing us and i don't think we'll realize that for a long time but like when you get to the end of your life and you think back, man, I spent four, five, six, seven hours a day on my phone. Like you're going to, I guarantee you're going to want that time back. Um, and yet again, we don't give ourselves the time to even process how we're spending our time because we're so distracted. And I got to imagine for you and your world, because of your background and, you know, being very recognizable to people, whether they know you with a helmet off or not, I'm sure there's people wherever you go that want to talk to you and kind of relive some of their favorite moments. And like, what does that look like when you got your kids next to you and they want your attention and somebody wants to talk to you? And, you know, I'm just thinking about what you were sharing in your story, you know, Times Square, the balls dropping rather than fixing on that moment and being fully present you know, we're taking a picture of the ball dropping, posting it on social media, and then corresponding with our phone to see how well it's trending. Yeah. So it's like, dude, rather than just, li- and I'm guilty of this, you know, when you're creating oh, content, sure. when, you're, when you're running a business, like you want to see the fruit of the thing that you're doing take off. 100%. But again, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because if we're not careful, like that was my big word. Faith is the biggest part of my life too, as well. Um, I spent a lot of time in 2023 trying to manufacture blessings. And if you're not a person of faith, I'm not trying to confuse you. Uh, I believe that there was a purpose to me starting this podcast. I really believed it from the bottom of my heart was to help inspire people, people, one person. That's what I told myself. That's what I believe the mission was, one person. But I got distracted. I created content. I had people from all different walks of influence, some more influential than others, And I thought that if I have this super influential person, that it's going to reach tons of people. 
And what happened was kind of like in my life, the Lord kind of laughed and was like, okay, release the thing. I released the podcast and it didn't do as well as I thought it was going to do. And rather than just being super intentional with my wife and my kids in the moment, I was more like downcast because I was like, I don't get it. And it's because my heart was in the wrong place. I wasn't fully present. I wasn't doing it for what I said I was going to do. And I think maybe that's where the rubber meets the road for many of us as people, experiences, expectations, some of the things we talked about. Um, you know, we we hope that when we chase a dream, when we chase a vision, we're going to be a certain way, and we tell ourselves that all the time. Um, you know, if this just happens at this season of life, we'll be happy. You know, if we just get money, if we just get a new opportunity, if that new job comes, if the if the business, the post takes off, you know, then things will get easier. And then you you get the you get the fruition of what you've been believing for an NFL career, whatever it may be, and it's just like womp womp, like the. Ex- the experience I actually went through didn't didn't match what I had hoped. And like, what do I do with that? And so this is my time to look back. And I had to sit my wife down on uh, New Year's Eve and I just opened up to her and I said, Steph, um, I failed. I didn't cheat on you. I didn't leave you. I didn't, you know, bash you around the community. I didn't give you everything I had. And she was like, it's okay. And I was like, no, it's not okay. I was like, I was more concerned personally I'm kind of opening up here for a lot of you listening to the show. Um, I was more concerned about what people outside of my home thought about the things that I was doing than the lives that I've been entrusted with that are here every day with me. And and, and again, no one would know that. That's more of a heart condition. But I, I just entering this new year, 2024 resolutions, whatever, my wife and I, instead of doing resolutions, uh, we just did what's called ins and outs. So instead of coming up with these huge, you know, life altering resolutions, it was like, what do we want to bring in and what do we want to kick out? And for me, I told my wife, I said, I want to spend 2024 relentlessly pursuing you. You know, we've been married for, we'll be going on 11 years uh, this spring. And I don't even think I've begun to scratch the surface on my wife. You know, I think it's very easy when you're in the limelight, uh, whether you're doing uh, media stuff or building a business, you can become addicted to the thing that you're building. In almost chase after that by neglecting, not intentionally, the people that have been put into your life that are there to build you and build your foundation. And I just told her, I said, man, I dropped the ball a little bit this year with you. And I want to just get back to the simple things, whether it's a desktop and a landline, I, we, haven't, we have not gone that far. But just like, man, when I'm home, I just want to be home. Like if I release a piece of content, I don't care what it does. You know, I want to make sure it's done well and it's done with excellence. That's for sure. But if I release something, like I just want it to take care of itself and I don't want to worry. And I, and I can, you know, that's maybe different for me, but even, even in your world, you know, running a business and with your wife being on TV, you, you guys don't always probably get that time and space to just kind of like duck away and figure it out because everybody wants to know, Christian, what do we do now? What's the next step? I mean, I think what's also fascinating is your life after the NFL, you know, I want you to talk a little bit about the post and maybe what the vision was behind it, because I know you're doing a lot of work with with people that have been in sports and athletics that are trying to build their personal and professional lives. So why don't you kind of take us through what the vision was for the post, what it is for those that not might not be aware, because I'd love to kind of um, tap into what you've been learning, dealing with other human beings and their stories and what they've gone through. So help us understand what's the post all about? Yeah, well, the the post is really look. It's it's a it's a private membership network uh, for for athletes turned business leaders. You know, our definition of athlete is anyone who played NCAA sport. We don't care division one, two, or three, but 
your thesis is if you played at that level, it's an identity that stays with you, a, a mindset and operating system that stays with you for the rest of your life. And as humans, we're built for community, right? We're, we're built to, to belong to, uh, to, to, to being a part of things that are bigger than ourselves and relying on those people around us. I mean, I think it's been a common thread in the conversation that we've been having about, you know, finding those opportunities and those people and those communities to plug into and those networks to plug into that, that we can serve, but also that we can tap into to elevate ourselves and hold us accountable. And it's what we happen. You know, it's what we had when we played sports, right? You had um, this really organic, um, you know, community to plug into in the locker room and the team where you had teammates to, that held you accountable that, that you used as a resource and had great conversations with and spent a lot of time with and, and worked really hard alongside and they picked you up when things weren't going well, but you had a really great community within that locker room. You had coaches and resources and trainings that were all there to make you the best athlete as possible. And, and then suddenly like that disappears overnight when, when you hang it up, but that, that, that identity and that mindset, and that, that operating system does not leave you. And, you know, what we saw as we started studying, you know, athletes in life after sport, I think, you know, I think everyone hears about the, the, the bad numbers, right? All these athletes who turn broke or you know, become broke and, and divorced after, you know, so many years of you know, time in the NFL, or the NBA, or, um, you know, basically like it's all downhill for athletes when sport is over, but, you know, actually the, the data is, is the, the exact opposite, um, you know, being an athlete is a massive competitive advantage when it comes to to life after sport, because of of the developmental tool that that sport is, and developing tremendous work ethic and competitiveness and humility and and drive and perseverance and commitment and and introspection and all these things that are really transferable to to business. And so, if you look at the data, fifty two percent of women who played NCAA sports, sorry, fifty two percent of women in the C suite today played NCAA sports. Um, Fifteen last. 21 U.S. presidents played NCAA sports and outside the number of Fortune 500 CEOs were college athletes. So it's, you know, college athletes only make up one and a half percent of this U.S. US population. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty tremendous outperformance. And so for us, seeing the opportunity and, and, you know, the own void in my life once I hung up the cleats of not having access to this community anymore, that, you know, really my tribe, the people I have the most in common with and, and connect really well with and, and make me a better version of myself, not having access to them, um, you know, I just couldn't accept that anymore. And so uh decided to go build something to bring that group together and and operate as my own team. I, I built this out of selfish ambition, but how do I give create recreate that team in locker room? And um, you know, now it's much more about business and and sales calls and you know performance in, in a boardroom than it is about performance on a field or a court or a pool. But um, how do we build that same ecosystem that that we had previously now in an entirely new way? So so that's what the post is. You know, we we launched back in in April of of 2023. Opened up. Uh, you know, gonna have two things. We have a professional network side of things that takes a lot of inspiration from things like YPO and Chief. Um, do cohorts, professional development resources, but it's really about the people in the room. And then a social side of the things where we open up kind of our first physical space, what we call our clubhouse, which we opened in New York City in, in uh, end of September. Um, and hopefully, it's our you know first of uh, of many across the country and. You know, just saw saw the void of my life, of of not being a part of it. And so, how how do I create a solution for myself that you know, fortunately, has been uh, you know has 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 found relevance in, in other people who shared the same journey as me. 
Yeah. And I know you got the clubhouse here in New York City, but if I'm not mistaken, you know, the post is open to uh, ex-athletes across the country. So I would it say if, if anybody is interested, you know, we'll put some um, information in the show notes about Christian, how to get in contact with him, uh, put the post website in case you'd like to follow, because you're right. You know, it's it's good to connect with other dads. It's good to connect with other moms, uh, but even just like-minded people, whether it's sports or it's skills. Um, you know, one of the things that I have is uh, creating content, man, I'm flying blind a lot of the time. I mean, I'm literally working on the airplane. I'm flying at the same time. And, you know, even, <laughs> even when you and I came on, I was like, man, what mic you using? I just pick people's brains because there's not many people I can turn to in my life and be like, what mic you using? You know what I mean? It's like, I'm trying to create this thing and building skill sets. And so I love this idea of the post um, and having this camaraderie, this community. And that's, that's never been in my mind more needed, which is it's great to have social networks. Don't get me wrong. You can do a lot of incredible things. You can encourage a lot of people. Your, your post of your kids that picture could bring, you know, delight in life to somebody who's just in a hard place. You know, for me, I use social media more so to post inspirational things of, you know, don't give up. You know, you were created on purpose for a purpose, just stuff that it, it comes to me. And I'm like, I don't know who this is going to. And I post it. And the next thing you know, I'm either out and about, or I'm at church or I'm somewhere. And somebody's like, Hey, I just, I appreciate you. And I'm like, why would happen? And they're like, I don't know if you remember this, you posted this thing. So social media can have a lot of good. Obviously, we're all aware of maybe a lot of the bad things on social media. But then there's something too about, man, just getting together physically in proximity with other individuals that are like-minded or gone through some hard stuff. And I got to imagine in your role kind of leading this group, you know, you had the ability to chase a dream. Um, the career wasn't necessarily cut short early on through injury or anything like that. Like in my world, I tore my ACL in high school. My college career never really took off, even though I had the ability to suit up uh, and play division one lacrosse. I never got to really fulfill what I saw in my mind, what my physical body wouldn't allow me to have the ability to do. And so, but I still had a lot of those disciplines and things, but you actually got to go through and get drafted and play in the NFL and, you know, live that out. But like, has there been anything that's maybe been an interesting finding. Um, and why I say this is like, I created the one big thing because as you and I had sp spoke about before we came on, I just got to a place where, man, I was so overwhelmed with the roles and responsibilities as dad, as a husband leading businesses, trying to meet and cater to other people and encourage them and use all the gifts I've been given. But man, there was just a weightiness to all of that. And I didn't have many people that I could talk to about it because they were like, what are you talking about? And just there was times where, man, you just felt like crying. You felt like just, am I a shell of myself? Am I lying? Am I, do I, am I dealing with imposter syndrome? Have I been telling myself for all these things, like this years of like who I am as a person and I'm falling short with my wife. I'm not the dad I thought I was going to be. And I just felt this moment in my car by myself at one of, I don't want to say the lowest point, but just a very low point in my life. I just got off the phone with my dad, just kind of opening up to him. And I don't know what it is, man. When I need a word, I just go to my dad. But just talking to him and being open and honest, I just felt this desire in my heart to give away the thing that I needed the most. And I needed encouragement. But I needed encouragement to like, I was encouraging so many people, but I didn't have many people that were looking at me and being like, Steve, you're okay. Like, it's going to be all right. And so I created this show to give away encouragement to other people. But in, in, in reality, I've been very blessed and fortunate by doing this show because I feed off of individuals like Christian Ponder and those that have had the ability to Holly Francis, a rare disease survivor, and hear her story of overcoming and just getting revved up and jazzed up about like, man, I've never walked in your shoes, but boy, I can resonate with some of the life lessons you've learned along the way. Has there been anything that's been um, surprising 
um, in maybe why you originally started the post, but maybe some side benefits that have come out of this by connecting with other people that you could have never kind of planned for? Um, I mean, look, I think in, in every entrepreneur journey, I think there's always surprises and new learnings and it's a continual learning and iteration process. And so there's been a lot that I've, I I've learned, I think, you know, some of the doubts, you know, like we went and raised capital and did the whole venture funding route. And, and, you know, one of the, the biggest questions was, you know, oh, this makes sense for someone who's 26 years old, freshly removed from their sports career, ha- having a hard time finding community, but like someone who's in their forties, like, does this make sense for them? And, um, our, again, our thesis was once an athlete, always an athlete. I think people always will miss this community and see themselves in this with with that identity. And so, our, you know, our oldest member is seventy two years old. Uh, our average age member is thirty nine. And so, um, I think seeing that actually manifest our, our our core thesis and like, yeah, like no, this is for those those types of people. Like we we knew that. I knew that on a personal level. Like I level, I, I'll always see myself uh, that way. So that that's been kind of a I guess it wasn't really a surprise. It was what I had hoped. I'm I'm glad it actually lived out in in real time in real life. Um, but I, I think there's you know I I think it. I also surprised myself in the sense that I you know I I didn't know how prepared I would be to be a CEO or startup founder or, or whatever. I don't I don't know if anyone's actually ever prepared. I think you you definitely learn on the fly. But again, I think if you're willing to put in the work and and willing to be honest with yourself in the areas that you can improve. Like I think anyone can play this role. Uh, and so I've have a new confidence in myself to be able to do it. I think you can only do it though. If you find the right team, we have, we have a tremendous team at the post and, and, um, a lot of, a lot of people who will bear this, the responsibility of making sure this, this is successful. Um, so I think in anything in life, right, especially in sports, having the right team around you, having the right, players on that team is really important and, and it's vitally important in a startup. But I think, um, you know, I, I'm no, I'm not different than other people. I, obviously, I, you know, I'm f- so far from labeling us as success. We've had some good success moments. We've had some, some failure moments. Um, that's the entrepreneurial journey, but, um, I'm, I'm not different than anyone else. Like everyone, anyone can do this. And it, again, it's just, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of bandwidth. It takes a lot of perseverance. Um, but if you have that in you, you have a good idea, you can go find the right people to to build something. Then, then you you can uh, then you can go do it. I, I heard some stat. I think it's probably about entrepreneurship too. This is specifically about authors. Eighty one percent. It was some poll, right? Eighty one percent of the country wants to write a book, and let, every year less than one percent does. And and so it's like I think we we often get our, own, our in our own way because of our insecurities and our fears and it's and and we overthink things and and so you know for me to just go do it and step into the unknown again it's it's hard but it's a tr- it's been a tremendous learning experience I hope it's much more you know the reward is much more than just a learning experience but I've I've definitely grown a lot over the last you know two and a half three years that that I've been on this this new journey in life. Yeah. So it sounds like from the math, this probably was a concept two and a half years ago. Did it kind of come out of the the blue? I mean, this is probably something for the last decade you've been thinking about. No. Yeah. It came out, you know, I, so I, my last year in the NFL was 2016. I moved to New York city in the fall of 2017, you know, started down the wealth management route as my next career, but felt the void of, you know, missing the athlete community. And, and so joined different clubs in New York city to fill the void communities to be a part of. And, 
realizing nothing ever filled that void for me. And, and so I don't know if anyone's ever heard of or been to a Soho house. It's a you know, private membership club started in London for people in the creative arts. They kind of expanded off of who their community's for, but there's three in New York City. I, I joined one of them, joined another place called The Ned, looked into a couple other places. And I was sitting in a Soho house one day though, and back in 2019 before the pandemic, thinking, hey, this place is cool, but I don't fit in here. Like this is not my community. And and you know, nothing against them. Like we're all built to be a part of a community. Communities are built around commonality. The people I have the most in common with are athletes. And so I thought, like, this place is cool. What if all these people were an athlete were athletes in here? Like that would feel more like home. And that that's where it started. Didn't do anything about that idea. I think when we all had a little more time on our hands during the pandemic, uh, started to devote a little more bandwidth to that. You know, had a thought partner in fall of 2022 that invested some time in validating the idea and, and really it, it took off from there. Well, and that's why I love how sometimes just things organically come up because that was not what we're going to talk about, but that's, I think, one of the big moments for me as I've listened to your story. I wonder how many people out there today, maybe you think your life is what it's going to be because you've been in a season of life for such a long time that, that it just feels like this is what it's always going to be. What I love about your story and what you just shared is, is kind of twofold. This wasn't on your radar five years ago. There are going to be things that are going to take place in your life as a listener today that you never planned for. Ideas, concepts, breakthroughs, relationships, people you're going to meet that you never, you, you could not have planned. My wife and I were just talking about this the other day. Um, I grew up in upstate New York uh, and through the pandemic, my business partners and I, two of us relocated down to East Tennessee, outside Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, you could not have convinced me in January of 2020, if you would have came to me and said, Steve, this year, there's going to be a worldwide pandemic and your family's going to relocate to East Tennessee. I would have thought, dude, you're out of your mind. Like I'm not leaving. That was the idea. I was going to live in upstate New York. My parents were there. My brothers were there with their kids. Like we're not leaving. And just by the end of that year, we were gone. And so I wonder how many people starting this new year or this new season of life right now, you, you there's definitely a, a, a time and a purpose to plan and to make plans and to lay out a roadmap. But man, life takes curves that you could have never imagined. What I love about your story is that even though it was an idea two and a half years ago, it didn't manifest until really the last year. And so I wonder how many people are out there today that have a concept in mind, an idea that they don't know where it comes from, but they can't shake it. And it's not manifesting. And so maybe you're on that fringe of thinking like I'm a failure or this, I thought this was going to take off by now, you know, and, and it's just, maybe you just don't feel like you're fulfilling the job and the desire that is on your heart. Don't give up. Uh, Holly and I talked about on her episode when she was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, that it took about a year of her thinking about posting on social media before she actually did one whole year. And I think sometimes time is so hard for us to conceptualize because I don't know about you as a dad, I don't feel any older. Um, uh, physically I do. Let's not, let's be honest. I don't feel any older than when I was 18 mentally. Like when people say to me, happy father's day, I kind of like turn around and I I'm like, who? Like my dad is a father. Like that's, you go say happy father's day to Dave Campbell. But to me, like, I know I got four kids, but man, there's just times I don't always feel like a dad, even though I know they're my children. And I, you know, I think, I think what's hard though, is like my son just turned eight and my kids are growing up. Life seems to be going so fast right now through their life. And so you say a year of time and it's like, we lose the idea that sometimes things just take time to marinate. They take things to cook. You talked about the idea of boredom. Maybe just getting back to a place as people, it, because we're so inundated with instantaneous results and social media posts and life, 
that like, man, sometimes things just take a little bit of time to really develop and really grow. And just because maybe in 2023, you as a listener set out with a concept or an idea or a job change or a new relationship, whatever it may be, and it didn't quite happen in the time frame that you wanted to, doesn't mean that it's done. But I think that there's always learning opportunities for us to really reflect. And that's one of the things that I think has really um, transformed my life is giving the ability to look back on my, my failures, my successes, and say, what went right? What could have been better? Again, like you talked about at the beginning of this episode, we don't have film study, right? I can't go back and watch last night's dinner table, my how I respond and be like, darn it, Steve, why did you? Your kid was trying to tell you the story about school and you just didn't pay attention. Like We don't have that as people but we do have opportunities to really grow and develop. And so I think I think what's awesome, and I'm going to give you some time here to start thinking about your start, stop, continue, because we'll bring it home here for this episode because you've given me more than enough time today, is just there. you in your life had life after football, and now you're making such a tremendous impact because of more so you recognize that there was a need in your life. You took the route of going to Soho and going to join these social networks, and you knew something was missing, but you did something about it. But the thing that you did about it took a little bit of time for it to come to fruition. Think about your life as a listener and the things in your life that you'd love to see changed in the world around you. And obviously there are certain things that are beyond our control that don't waste too much time spending on that. But if there are certain needs in your life, like with Christian wanting to start a social network with me being like, man, I don't know, I'm going to go start this interview style podcast and just see if we can encourage some people. The, the, the outpouring of success that I hear that's not an analytic, that's not a number, but just guys that come up to me and people come up to me and they're like, man, that last episode rocked me. That's what it's all about. I wonder how many things we are cutting short, dreams we're cutting short, visions we're cutting short, because time has almost um, robbed us of the ability to let things marinate and cook through because everything has to be so instantaneous. So um, who knew bringing this thing home at the end, if you're interested in the post, go check it out. But I love the fact that you, Christian, have created something for yourself post-NFL. Because I think, too, nobody, to encourage you a little bit, nobody would have behooved you if the career maybe didn't turn out the way that you wanted to, maybe didn't play as long as you wanted to, or didn't have the numbers. But you've still done something with your life that's remarkable, right? You're trying to be the best husband you can be. That in and of itself is remarkable. You're reflective enough to try to be the best dad. That is that is something that I would encourage you in. But now it's like, man, there's this community calling that you also have where you're giving space to people that without you and creating this post would have never had a place to come. So just what would that look like for all of us as people if we created spaces for all the hurting people and all the people that are going through stuff where they just knew, man, when they get in a room with you, Christian Ponder, like their life changes. Like that's my goal in life. And so Never know where these conversations are going to go. They always go exactly to the place they're going to go. But I love your story. We'll put notes here in the uh, uh, section for the post and if you're interested. But if you're new to the one big thing, um, one thing that I love doing with guests at the end, this has become a fan favorite, is I take guests through what I call start, stop, continue. Uh, it's just an opportunity for my guests to share one thing that they want to start doing. And you've kind of done that in some of the show. One thing they want to start doing, one thing they want to stop doing, and one thing they want to continue doing. So I will turn it over to you. You can go in whatever order you want. Just give us as the listeners the ability to know which one you're working on and feel free to take away. Yeah. So look, the, the one thing I want to smart do, start <clears throat> start doing is... Uh, it's actually, I, I listened to a podcast this morning and I, I cannot remember who the guest was, uh, on that, that brought up this concept 
Um, but I want to start being, he, he talked about this as, as, you know, a business leader, but I think it's, it's a, a leader at home and, and, and everything else. But <clears throat> as a business leader, you know, are you a reward centered leader or are you a responsibility centered leader? And those who are reward centered, um, I think that really talks to our insecurities. It's much m- more about, you know, what do I want to do? What's going to make me feel good today? And, and it's much more about the feeling. And I think, especially in today's society, I think we've, we've let feelings lead the way on, <clears throat> on our decisions and, um, you know, kind of all areas of life now. And, and it's, it's feelings, feeling, feelings, even though feelings are all fleeting and we know that, except, um, we just all want to feel good. Um, a responsibility centered leader, it's much more about what, what needs to be done. What's required? Am I, am I doing the thing that I know I don't want to do, but it's required for the good of this company, for the good of this relationship, whatever. And so there are five things that, that were broken down to see whether you're reward driven or responsibility driven and responsibly driven responsibility-centered leaders um, do five things. Number one, they have difficult conversations um, that are required, right? For the benefit of that person, for the benefit of that relationship, for the benefit of the business. Having the difficult conversation, that leads to a better outcome for all parties involved. And who likes difficult conversations? I definitely don't. I'm, I'm, you know, I would much rather you know, abdicate that responsibility to someone else or not do it at all, especially someone who deals with the insecurity of being disliked. Like, But it's necessary. And so do you have the, do you have the difficult conversation? Um, are you managing your direct reports? Right. Like, and, and this speaker broke it down to, you know, do you know what they're working on? Are you making sure that they know you're, you're there to assist them? Are you helping them set goals and are you following through with them? And whether that's direct reports at work or it's my kids or it's my wife, am I actually having those conversations and helping them? Um, and, and if not, you know, again, I'm not being intentional. It's much more about me than it is about, what, what I'm responsible for. Um, the third thing was building your team. You know, you've got to invest in building your team and, and managing those relationships. Um, the fourth was repeating ourselves. I think a lot of us don't like to repeat ourselves. We feel, um, you know, dumb for having to do so, but like, it's about clear communication. Are you willing to repeat yourself to your kids, to your wife, to your people at work? Um, or are you just, you don't want to do it and it's not necessary. And, or, or even though it's necessary, I just, I don't want to keep repeating myself. Um, and the last thing, are you running great meetings? Like, are you effectively spending time together that benefits, you know, that that's valuable in that 60, 90, 30 minutes, whatever it is. And, and how do you do that? But again, I think in marriage, like, am I creating actual intentional time with my wife, with my kids? Am I, am I running a great meeting with my kids? And, you know, I fail in all five of those areas. And so one thing I want to start doing is how do I, how do I start being more responsible, responsibility centered, uh, at work, at home, um, do the things that are required and not just invest in the things that, that I want to do, even though, um, you know, when, when it's, when it's hard to do those things, um, what I want to stop doing is my goal. My personal goal is I want to stop using a smartphone. Um, again, you know, some of the conversation we had before about being intentional and, and, you know, <clears throat> not outsourcing or, or shipping away our, our focus and our attention to other things and being more present in the moment. Like I, I just, I want to get away from the smartphone. And so, um, you know, getting back to living in the nineties, how do we have a phone that doesn't zap or, or, you know, take all of our attention away from everything else. And, um, you know, I know that means creating solutions again around, around work and email access and all those things. And, and, you know, we talked about having a desktop and all those things, but that's, that's what I want to stop doing. What I want to continue doing is again, I think giving up on, uh, on the screen time. Like I, I want to continue reading more. Like I've learned so much more 
reading. I'm a person who's a nonfiction reader. So like, uh, you know, right now I'm reading every good endeavor by Tim Keller and, and just like, again, talk about intentionality at work and, and, you know, I want to continue to learn and push myself. And, and I think reading is a good avenue to do that. And, and again, it, it helps manage our focus. We're, we're losing our attention spans. And so how do I invest in getting my attention span back as I shed the things that, um, you know, have, have cost me that. Well, I think that's, again, what I love about this show is um, for those, you know, guys that have obviously watched you play your career, I, I remember watching you on TV and now it's, you know, just kind of surreal having the opportunity to talk with you. I think the assumption is sometimes we just get lost in the the roles and responsibilities that we have, that there's a longing and desire to want to be a Christian ponder, to want to have success in the NFL, to want to have money to do all those things. But I think what I love and what's been fascinating about listening to you, this and show is you're a human being just like all of us. And I think that's maybe where the breakdown comes in society today is it just feels like, man, sometimes just we feel like nobody can identify or go through or understand what I'm going through as a father, as a husband, as a spouse, whatever. But you've done a a masterful job of, I think, just being honest. It's probably rare that you hear somebody in your role say, I failed at really all five of these things. You know, we're not, we're not faking it. We're not um, just giving you what you want to hear. And this isn't just all about, you know, success podcasts, but it's about being real, being honest. And it's one thing I've talked about on other episodes. I think sometimes we have enough resources to do something about something in our life. And if that's you, I would challenge you. If you if you have all the information that you need to be the best dad, the best husband, the best wife, the best coworker, then go be it. No more excuses. But if you're like, honestly, I'm going to raise my hand and say there's just certain details of certain aspects of my life where I want to be better, whether it's taking care of my body, being a better parent, but you just don't have enough information to make a, a life change or judgment then you got to go seek some resources this year. But like you said, you got to carve some time in your life to be able to do that. Because if you're not careful, all the roles and all the responsibilities that you play will just kind of co-mingle. And you'll be no farther ahead at the end of this year than you were last year. So Christian Ponder, man, thanks for rocking our world. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being transparent. Thank you for being on The One Big Thing. Hope this has been a great experience for you. And again, for anybody that's been on here to champion you from your family, your friends, the post that wanted to listen, hope that you're not, uh, it's not your last stop. So again, Christian, thanks for being a guest on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for the time in.